about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Make sure we're on because we have technology issues already. Let's hope my iPad holds out for the rest of the night. All right, before we get started, let's pray because we're dealing with the Holy Spirit tonight and the Holy Spirit guides us. So let's ask him to guide us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we read your word and consider what it has to say to us, you will guide us by your Holy Spirit to understand it and to apply it to our lives. But we also pray that as we do this, we will deepen our knowledge of you and draw closer to you. In your son's great name, amen. Now the question that Rob asked us before, I actually, we'd talked before to sort of think through what was going to be a good question to get us thinking about what this passage is about tonight. And I don't know what you were thinking about the question of what does it mean to know someone, but it could be a whole bunch of things. See, one of the things that might come to your thoughts to begin with might be, well, maybe it's a matter of just knowing facts about somebody. You know a certain set of things about them. You know them, don't you? But really, do you? Maybe it's knowing their personality, knowing how they might react in a certain situation, knowing a few different things like that. I was talking to Roger Fitz just before we start, just before right then, and he said to me, you know a man best when he's under pressure because that's when you see his real personality come out. Or is it something deeper than this? Is it going deeper than just all those things? Is it knowing somebody by being around them or in their life, experiencing things, sharing things with them? Well, I'm not going to give you an answer to that yet. We're going to keep on going through and sort of think about it a bit later because we're going to be thinking about tonight about what it means to know God. See, we know each other, but how do we know God? How is it that we get to know him? So we're going to be seeing how it's through the Holy Spirit that we get to know God. We're also going to see two different types of people, one group who know God and one group who don't know God. But ultimately, we're going to see how when we put our trust in Christ, that we are given the very mind of Christ. But before we can get into our passage tonight, it's been a little while since we were actually in 1 Corinthians because it's been a few weeks. We've had uh, everybody together a couple of Sundays ago and we've had Easter so I don't know how well you actually remember what's been going on 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians up to this point. So I thought I'd just give us a bit of a recap to see where we've been, what we've been talking about, because it's actually relevant to what we're talking about tonight. Because Paul isn't actually starting a new idea, he's actually continuing what he's been talking about. So we have Paul the Apostle of Christ Jesus, who is writing a letter to the church that he planted in Corinth. Paul is writing to them because he has heard from Chloe's household that they, her, the church is divided. See, some are saying, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. However, Paul calls them to be united in mind and thought. Because Paul didn't come to them to baptize them and, and for them to choose different sides with different people, but for to speak the gospel to them, to bring them together under Christ. See, Paul then goes on to speak about how the cross is foolishness to those who seek wisdom, and a stumbling block, block to those who seek signs. See, God's wisdom is displayed in the cross and its foolishness to the world. See, God displays his wisdom 
by choosing those who are not high up by human standards, who are not wise by human standards, who are not considered to be valuable. And so God shows that human wisdom is foolish and that he is a true and wise God. He does all this so that nobody may boast of their salvation. He does it so that nobody can say, well, I knew better than everybody else, or I'm chosen because I'm special. It's all because God chooses people. Paul goes on to explain how he did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom at the beginning of chapter 2, but he came with the message of the gospel. He desired to know nothing but the cross of Christ when he was there with the Corinthians. He did not come to them as a persuasive teacher, but as one speaking God's powerful word that worked powerfully in them. And that brings us to our passage tonight. See, the NIV here is actually inserted in your Bibles there, a very unhelpful heading, which the NIV occasionally does, because Paul is actually continuing to go on. He's continuing to speak about this idea, about this message he's brought, and about how he's brought it. So Paul continues in Corinthians. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now, Paul isn't really saying much new here that he hasn't already said to the Corinthians up to this point. What he's making it clear here is that he and the other apostles, like him, they don't speak the wisdom of this world, but they speak the wisdom of God to them. In fact, they are speaking this message to the mature. Or to be more precise here, the word is actually to the perfect. Now, as a bit of an aside here, I'm saying this as an aside because it's an interesting point, but it's not actually the main point. It's interesting to note that Paul calls them perfect at this point. See, it seems quite strange that he's calling the Corinthians perfect, especially when he's sort of been a bit annoyed with them at the beginning, and especially when you consider what he's about to say to them at the beginning of chapter 3. So what I want you to do is just remember this idea that Paul is coming to, with a message to the mature and perfect especially when we get into chapter 3 and you realize what he says to the Corinthians and what they're like in comparison to this. That's one, just file it away. It's kind of relevant tonight, but it's more relevant as we move further on in Corinthians. Now, we've got to kind of ask the question, though, what is this wisdom that Paul is actually talking about? Where is it coming from? Is it something different, new? Is it, where is it from? Well, Paul goes on to describe it for us. God's secret, it's God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Doesn't really explain it much better, does it? It's that moment where you go, uh, okay, so you've actually made it more complicated. It's kind of a classic Paul thing to do. He, just, he goes, you know, I'm going to explain this to you, and he just makes it more complicated. Now, in reading this verse, it can seem like there is some special piece of wisdom out there that we all need to know, that somehow that hidden away in a dark little cave, there's this piece of wisdom that we all need to have in order to be a Christian. Now, there are a group of people who are known as the Gnostics back in the early church. This is what they believed. They believed that we needed a special piece of knowledge in order to know God, in order for us to be able to relate to him and to actually ultimately be saved. These people were heretics because ultimately we don't need anything extra apart from God's word. Now, you might sort of think, well, okay, how do we know that? Where, what is this secret and hidden wisdom? Where is it actually found? Well, actually, it's found in plain sight. 
It's right in front of you. In fact, if you've got your Bible in your hands, you're holding it. It is God's secret and hidden wisdom. But how do we know that? How do we know that it's the Bible? Well, first of all, God speaks about God, Paul speaks about God's hidden and secret wisdom in a couple of different places in the Bible. Uh, if you, you want, we're not going to go there, but there are places in Ephesians and Colossians where he talks about God's secret and hidden wisdom. In both of those places, he makes it very clear that God's secret wisdom is the message of the gospel, is what the apostles preach to everyone and tell them about. And that's based on the Bible. Now, from our passage, well, it's a little bit of a different story. As we read on and we go into the next verse, so we see that the rulers don't understand. They've failed to understand God's wisdom. Sorry, I'll... Yeah, so they, they fail to understand God's wisdom. They, they go further on and they go, well, they've actually failed to, to know it. But it's the rulers of this world. And you go, okay, well, who are the rulers of this world? Well, the rulers of this world, I take it, are actually the Jewish leaders. They're the people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes and the priests. See, they're the people who wanted to crucify Christ. They're the ones who misunderstood the word. And that word is the word of the Old Testament. See, they've misunderstood that Jesus was meant to be the Messiah. And so instead of worshipping him and following him, they sent him to the cross. You see, God's wisdom has always been available to the Jewish leaders, but they failed to understand it. And that's why it's God's secret and hidden wisdom. It's been there in the Old Testament, but you need to understand it. That's why Paul goes on to quote Isaiah where he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. The Jewish leaders did not understand what was written in the Old Testament. They did not understand what God's plans were for those who love him. But you see, for the Paul and the other apostles, God's wisdom has been revealed to them. And it's been revealed to them through God's Spirit. See, they can know and understand the words of the Old Testament and the gospel that has been given them because it has all been revealed to them through the Holy Spirit. But we've got to kind of ask the question, well, okay, how does this work? How is it that they can know all of God's wisdom? Okay, it's the Holy Spirit. Surely it should be able to tell them. Well, Paul goes on to explain it to us. See, he goes on it. So he very helpfully gives us an example of what it's like. So he says to us, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his spirit? This is where we come back to the question we had at the beginning. That is, how do we know know someone? What, how, how do we know someone deeply? So when I was thinking through this passage, I tried to think through, you know, when we, we, we know someone, we know something about them, we know facts about them. You know, we can tell you when their birth is, we can tell you when, where they live, we can tell you what things they like. But that's not really knowing them. Maybe if we want to go, to, to go deeper, we can sit down with them and we can have a meal with them and we can talk to them. We can find out about what things make them laugh, what things make them cry, what motivates them to get out of bed in the morning. But even then, you still might not think you know someone that well or fully. So maybe you've got to spend the rest of your life with them, getting to know them and building those things up. But even then, however, you could not know them absolutely. You could not know everything about them. So simply put, 
as well as we might know someone, we can never fully know the depths of their thoughts. That's what Paul's getting at there. Is that no man can know the thoughts of another man. We can't step into someone else's mind and know them fully. We can spend time talking to them, we can spend time getting to know them, but we can't know what they're thinking at that very moment. See, in the same way, none of us, none of us on our own can know the thoughts of God except for his spirit. See, this is why the spirit is able to reveal the wisdom of God to Paul and to the apostles. It's because the spirit of God is God and knows the very depths of God's mind. This is the spirit that Paul and the other apostles have been given. It is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. This is so they can understand what God has freely given them. That is, they can know and understand the message of the Bible. This is why Paul can say to the Corinthians, We speak not in the words taught us by human wisdom, but in the words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. Now, it's worth stopping at this point before we look at the two types of people in the next couple of verses to consider why it is that Paul has written all this to the Corinthians. Why has he sat down and gone, I'm going to tell you how I can tell you the words of God, how I know the wisdom of God and why I'm telling you this. See, Paul is writing to the Corinthians to show them that he is not like everyone else who is going around in the ancient world claiming to be teachers of wisdom. See, he's not teaching them wisdom that comes from himself but the wisdom of God. This is why he takes the time to describe how God's wisdom has been revealed to him and to the other apostles by the Holy Spirit. Paul is also doing this to show the Corinthians that he has the authority to teach them, that he teaches what he has, has been revealed to him by God. Not only that, but what he is saying to them in this letter is from the wisdom of God. It is from God himself. He's not speaking worldly wisdom to them, but God's wisdom to them. Now that's going to have an implication for us as well as we read Paul's word. Because Paul is speaking from God's wisdom, with God's spirit guiding him. The words that Paul writes here to the Corinthians are still just as much the wisdom of God for us now as they were when he first wrote them down for the Corinthians. This means as we sit down and read Paul's words in Corinthians, we must realize that they do speak to us, that they are still relevant to us today. We cannot dismiss them just because they were written to a group of Christians who lived in a very different society to our own. So as we continue reading through Corinthians in this series, as we're going to be, cha- we're going to be challenged and confronted by many different things, there are going to be different passages that are going to push our thinking that we might disagree with. But as we read through Corinthians, we must remember that Paul is writing down Scripture, that, that these are the very words of God breathed out through him. They're God's wisdom written down by Paul. So as we continue through this series in 1 Corinthians, both here and at church, and in our Bible studies, we must heed its message. We must heed the message of God here and be willing to, for it to change our hearts and our minds. Because what we have here in the book of 1 Corinthians is God's authoritative word to us. Now as we go on, 
in the passage. Paul draws out a few, or at least an implication for us here with how the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the wisdom of God to us. So he basically says there are two kinds of people. There are those people who don't understand and don't know God. There are those people who understand and know God. So first of all, the people who don't understand, Paul says this of them. The man without the Spirit does not expect the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now this is a pretty confronting thing that Paul has just said. He's pretty much saying, you cannot know God without the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you will always see God's word as foolishness. You will never understand. So it raises a pretty hard question for us. How can anyone come and to know and understand God? How can someone get the Holy Spirit and know? Well, the answer is actually in the verse. We can know God by the Holy Spirit working in us to help us understand God's word. That we can understand and know God. These things are spiritually discerned. We can know him because we can read the Bible and the Spirit can guide us. This is the very problem that the rulers had in verse 8. The Holy Spirit had not revealed to them the secret wisdom of God, so they didn't understand. Now, I want to be careful here that we don't misunderstand what Paul is saying. He isn't saying that we don't use our minds or intellect in order to understand God's wisdom, or that we have to have some extra special spiritual experience in order to know God. See, the way it works here is that the Holy Spirit works in us as we read God's word to understand it and come to know God. So basically, the Holy Spirit works alongside our minds as we read God's word. He guides us as we and, and helps us to understand God's word and come into a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit doesn't just do this for Christians, but for anyone who is seeking to know God. This is why the person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit will never accept God's word. It is because they will never understand God's word by using their intellect alone. We must be guided by the Holy Spirit in order to know God and his word. If we try and understand him, just by using our intellect and by ignoring God and his Holy Spirit, we'll never come to know him properly. Now you might be here for the first time, coming to church, and you might be seeking to know God for the first time. And you might be wondering, well, how can I possibly come to know God? It sounds hard. It sounds really difficult. How can I... Can you know if the Holy Spirit is working in you? How can you, you know that it's guiding you to understand God's word? Well, I can't really tell you for certain if the Holy Spirit is at work in you. But I can tell you that you should pray to God and ask that he will give you his Holy Spirit, that he will help you to understand his word that is in front of you. I would encourage you to be in asking questions and seeking answers to them as you read God's word. I'd encourage you to be opening up your heart and your mind to receive the word in front of you. You would engage your brain and pay attention to what's in front of you and try and wrestle with it and keep on thinking about it. Now, if you would like to be doing this, we would love to hear from you. 
So if you've got your feedback cards there, you can write on there that you'd like to find out more. You can come and speak to any of the staff here, or even you can come along to exploring Christianity. See, we would love to get to, to, know, to get to know you and read God's word with you. And I'll finish with this point for, for these people. By saying that God can bring you into relationship with him through his Holy Spirit. He can and he does. And if you're willing to trust in him, you will. And this brings us to our second group type of people. Those who do understand and know God. See, Paul says this about them. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Now, on the surface, this seems like a pretty straightforward kind of verse. If I'm spiritual, then I can make judgments about everything and no one can judge me, right? No, not really. I don't think so. So Paul here isn't giving Christians license to make their own judgments about everything in the world and no one is allowed to judge them for it. Instead, I think Paul is saying that the person who is guided by the Holy Spirit is able to make judgments about all things based on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul has made it abundantly clear throughout this whole section that we cannot know the wisdom of God unless it is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. So we saw earlier how Paul spoke about the Spirit revealing the secrets and hidden things of God to him and how the Holy Spirit searches the very depths of the mind of God. The spiritual person is someone who has the Holy Spirit and it is by the Holy Spirit that they are able to make judgments about things. But what does it mean for us to make judgments about all things? Well, I think that this comes down to us being able to discern what is wise and good. We don't do this, however, on the basis of our own wisdom, but on the wisdom that God has given us, that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. This wisdom comes as we spend time in God's Word, with the Holy Spirit revealing it to us through God's Word, which we find in the Bible. See, in the book of John, Jesus speaks to his disciples of how he would send to them the counsel of the Holy Spirit. He also speaks of how the Holy Spirit will remind them of all that Jesus had taught them and would always point them back to Jesus. This is what, also what the Holy Spirit does for us. He reminds us of God's teaching in the Bible and he points us back to Jesus. The Holy Spirit can do this because, as Paul put it earlier, he's able to search out the depths of the mind of God. See, this is why we spend so much time in the Bible, because it's through, through the Bible that God gives us his wisdom and his guidance. It is through the Holy Spirit guiding us as we read that we are able to understand and apply God's word. This is why we come to, the, to church to hear people preach about the Bible. This is why we go to Bible study during the week. It is why we run the Philip Project, to encourage you guys to be reading the Bible together and wrestling with it and understanding it and being guided by it. Now, there is one final implication of all this, at least this part of it, which is actually difficult for me to say as a preacher because it concerns me, but it also concerns you guys. You see, I, as a preacher, am not the authority on God's word. The Bible is. 
Now, I want to be really clear on what I'm saying here. For any preacher, the Bible is our authority. We sit under it, but we sit under it as teachers of it. See, what this means is that as preachers, we do have authority as people who have been appointed as teachers of God's word, but we always sit under the authority of the Bible. What it means for you is you're listening to someone preaching. You want to be always testing what they're saying against the scriptures. You want to be asking questions. Does what they're saying fit with it? Does what I'm saying right now fit with what's written in the Bible? You want to know that you can ask questions and think about it. But always realize that the person who is preaching to you has been appointed to teach God's word. And that when you listen to them, you should be taking their words seriously. You should be thinking long and hard about what they're saying. Don't just reject it just because you don't like what they're saying. Make sure you're reading the scripture and seeing, is what they're saying the truth of God's word? But I want to bring us back to where God, to where Paul finishes it for us when he says these words. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is what lies kind of behind everything that Paul's been saying about himself. He raises this question, for, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he can instruct him? How is it possible for anybody to really know God's mind? How can we know him? But we, Paul, the apostles, have been given the mind of Christ. See, for us, as we trust in God, we're given the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. But it's more than that. The Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us. It is the very mind of God that is given to us. See, we can have a relationship with God that, in a sense, is closer to any relationship we can have with any other person. We have his very mind with us guiding us, teaching us, helping us to understand his word. So as we finish up, I'm going to pray and thank God for all of this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we can know you deeply, that we can know your very mind through your Holy Spirit which you have given to us. Lord, we pray that as we live our lives, you would guide us through your Holy Spirit to be able to act wisely and discern what is best. Lord, we pray that you will help us to continue to turn to your word in the Bible, to read it, understand it, and apply it to our lives. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance as your children. We pray for all this in your son's great name. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.